and to all a good night. But not before a couple more bedtime stories. Stay tuned. Professor Theo's Mystery Lab. I'm Professor Theo. Welcome to the lab. I'm broadcasting from the campus of Splendid University, even this week on winter break, from beautiful downtown Splendid West Virginia, home to some of the most extraordinary, time-traveling teens, superhero kids, giant bugs, kid explorers, kid space force, and so much more. Some of you boys and girls listening will be opening presents this upcoming Christmas Day. Some of you will be opening video games, I'm sure. If you do, think of young Tanner. You know Tanner. The splendid boy, computer whiz kid, trapped, quantum leaping from one game to the next. Tanner returns next week to the lab with his biggest, boldest adventure yet. This week belongs to the St. Nick Squad, appropriately enough, and those time-traveling teens. The St. Nick Squad, part two. Delivering toys to millions in one night isn't easy. A lot can go wrong. That's where the St. Nick Squad comes in. They work for Santa, ensuring all things Christmas-related go smoothly. Be it Santa's lost glasses, an attempted sleigh-robbing, misdelivered presents, or simply a little help munching away at Christmas cookies, the St. Nick Squad is there. This year, Jingle and Snowflake, the St. Nick Squad's best two agents would face a challenge unlike anything before. Elves began to disappear. The St. Nick Squad was on the case. They searched every inch of the North Pole to no avail. More elves disappeared. Jingle and Snowflake and the others explored each and every continent until at the South Pole they made a shocking discovery. His name was the Elf Napper. Are those our elves? They are, answered Snowflake. Our friends, and we're going to get them back. The Elf Napper had constructed his own town, like Santa's village, but quite the opposite. While Santa's North Pole was bright, colorful, and cheery, the Elf Napper's southern post was quite the opposite, dark and miserable. The elf-napper worked his elf-napped minions hard. Keep it up. Don't slouch. Only a few more days until Christmas. And then I take over the holiday. We can't let that happen, Jingle promised Snowflake. In a flash, the villainous elf-napper was standing right behind the St. Nick squad, they were captured. How nice of you to join us, he sneered. 
nabbing Jingle and Snowflake. Meanwhile, back at the North Pole, Santa was getting quite worried. Many of his toy-building elves were gone. Others were working double-time to make up for it. And his two best St. Nick Squad special agents were missing now. What are we going to do? asked Elfie, a shy little elf who had yet to discover his true strength. We keep looking. We keep preparing for the big night. We can't let anything get in our way, Santa replied. Yes, sir, Elfie replied. Elfie was a good worker, but he had other things on his mind. His brother, Buttons, had vanished days ago. Elfie, Santa assured, will find your brother. Back at the South Pole, Christmas Eve preparations were underway. A giant black sleigh was loaded down with bags full of coal, ready for delivery to all the world's boys and girls. Instead of reindeer, the sleigh was to be guided by a pack of crudely made, but effective, metal robots. I'll need three elves to help me. You, you, and you. The elf napper picked Jingle, Snowflake, and a little guy named Buttons to accompany him. It was the first of three mistakes the bad guy would make that night. Next, the elf napper's sleigh was airborne and on path for a direct hit with Santa's sleigh. Indeed, the two collided mid-air, and the colossal crash sent all to the ground. Coal, metal, presents, reindeer, elves, and more were strewn everywhere on the ground. The elf napper had accomplished his mission of bringing down Santa. When the smoke cleared, the elf napper stood over Santa. Step aside. It's my holiday now. The elf napper laughed maniacally. <laughs> Buttons! A voice cried from the wreckage. Is that you? Elfie rose from a pile of packaged holiday debris to the sight of his long-lost elf brother. Elfie! cried Buttons in delight. The two brothers were excited to see each other, but their homecoming was short-lived. The elf-napper snatched up Buttons and snarled at Elfie. Sorry, but he works for me now. Elfie was enraged, and his shy, quiet demeanor melted away. Indeed, he stood strong as his muscles popped. I don't think so. Give me back my brother. The elf-napper underestimated Elfie's strength. It was the second of three mistakes the bad guy would make that night. Bring it on, little guy, the elf-napper sneered. It took but one punch for Elfie to floor the elf-napper. When the villain awoke minutes later, he was shocked to find himself tied up tight with Christmas lights. Santa stood over him, elves by his side. That will teach you, elf-napper. You're off to jail. Upset as he was, the elf-napper was still happy that he had ruined Christmas. He looked around at the piles of broken sleigh and mashed presents caused by the crash. 
You may have stopped me this time, but good luck getting that thing to fly again. Underestimating the magic of Christmas was the elf napper's third and final mistake that night. Santa snapped his fingers, elves went to work, and the reindeer lined up. And in moments, the sleigh began to magically reassemble itself. In less than a minute, all was back to normal. Hey, fix mine, the elf napper screamed, looking at his broken black mess alongside Santa's majestic new night rider. But neither Santa nor Elfie nor Buttons nor Blitzen or any of the other reindeer heard him, for they were off and into the night sky. The elf napper was left behind, flanked by Jingle and Snowflake. Chalk up another win for the St. Nick squad, Jingle celebrated. Yeah, we always get the job done, Snowflake concurred. As the two high-fived and took the elf napper away, Christmas is safe for now. Merry Christmas, listeners. Enjoy your time with loved ones. Which is just what those time-traveling teens would like to be doing right now. But they have hopped way, way back to the Jurassic period. Remember? Time for the fourth installment in our five-chapter series. Those time-traveling teens. Chapter four. The hunt was on. Ava would not be easy to find here. Lush, sweaty greenery dripping in humidity. And presumably carnivore saliva surrounded Elliot, Cat, and Dana. It didn't take long for them to regret their decision to follow Ava millions of years into the past. At first, it didn't quite seem real. Like three-quarters of the T4 quartet had stepped into a scene from one of their favorite films. That feeling only lasted a minute or so, when a gigantic pterodactyl flew overhead and screeched loudly at their presence. Cat was shaking. Did that pterodactyl just rat us out? Elliot responded, No. No. I'm sure. Great. Now everything around will know Dana was hyperventilating. Don't freak out, Dana, Elliot pleaded with her as Cat wrapped an arm around her to calm her down. Feel better? Dana calmed briefly before screaming, We're all going to die! The other two hushed her, and all three dove behind some brush to hide from the many perilous creatures that were no doubt ready to pounce on them at any second. It was in that second that Elliot imagined Ava could not have lasted long here, and that they were fools to follow, but he didn't say anything that would freak his partners out anymore. He fiddled with the coordinates on the Hopper app to see if he could narrow down Ava's location, but honestly... He also considered zapping the trio right back into the safety of the present day at their school. But what would I tell her parents? He mumbled to himself. What was that? The girls questioned, almost simultaneously. Before Elliot could answer, the ground rumbled and shook. A terrible rumble and shake. 
Then the sound of brush being quickly stomped down, pat, and pushed aside, accompanied a terrible smell, that of fear. Something awful was near. Nobody move, Elliot silently commanded, as the ground shook again. The sounds of running, something very large running, felt as if it was getting closer. They could feel the shake and then hear the thud of heavy, desperate feet. And before any of McFly Middle School's best and brightest could compose themselves, a creature roughly their size leapt over them. It must have been running 20 miles per hour. It was followed by a similar creature, only this one stopped dead in its tracks, turned toward Cat, Dana, and Elliot, and stared them down. The earth-shaking thuds grew more intense. Is that a... Dana began. Velociraptor, Cat finished. Elliot began to scream, only to have the sound instantly stifled by Cat and Dana, whose hands pressed tight against Elliot's reddening face. All three had tears streaming down their face. The Velociraptor took a small step forward, curious of the three creatures it had never spotted before and appeared ready to pounce when a T-Rex the size of a house appeared out of nowhere, snatched up the beast in its mouth, lifted it high into the air, and began to chomp down hard on it, while emitting a muffled yet terrifying scream. The Tyrannosaurus continued on, presumably chasing after its current prey's friends that were mere seconds ahead. It didn't pay the three time-traveling teens any attention at all, thankfully. Cat and Elliot were frozen in fear, so much that neither one of them noticed Dana was missing. When they did, they both jumped up and urgently began to look for her. There was all Elliot could muster as he pointed Cat toward a figure a hundred yards away, running at full speed from the scene. Get her! And get us out of here, Cat commanded as she ran after Dana. Elliot was running fast, too, one eye on Cat and Dana, another one on his hopper app, as he was frantically programming it to zap them back. I got it ready. We just have to catch up to her, grab her, and push the button. Cat's gaze was squarely on Dana as she screamed for her to stop. Elliot was looking around through the wide-open field to make sure they weren't sprinting into a dinosaur buffet. He was falling behind in his race, though. Cat and Dana were both cross-country runners, and in far better shape than Elliot. In fact, he had often joked that the only thing that would get him to run track was if he was being chased by dinosaurs, a joke that didn't seem one bit funny at this particular moment. In just a minute or so, Elliot was so far behind that he completely lost sight of his partners. The hopper was fully ready to blast them back as soon as he could catch up, though he selfishly thought of blasting himself back and pretending not to know what happened to the rest of the science club. Though a one-person McFly Middle Science Club was a tempting treat, his feelings for his friends won out, and he ran faster than ever. In a span of three minutes, that must have felt like three hours, Elliot caught up to both Cat and Dana. They were about a mile away from their original destination and more than ready to hop back home. Wait, 
Cat held a shivering Dana with one hand while stopping Elliot's hand with the other right before he was about to hit the button that would fast-forward them a few million years into the future. What? Wait, are you kidding? Elliot said, flustered. Look! Cat pointed off in the distance, another mile or so in the distance, toward a large and enormous brontosaurus. Its neck stretched high into the air as it ate leaves from a tree that stretched far up toward the heavens. Suddenly, Elliot saw what Cat was pointing out. Oh my, is that? he mustered, as he spotted a figure tall in the tree, feeding leaves to the kindly herbivore. It was Ava. End of chapter four. Our five-chapter time-traveling teens adventure concludes next week as we wrap up 2018 and set course for a bigger, better, more exciting 2019 rich in splendid stories. As mentioned, Tanner will be back in Theory X Part 3 as well. Don't miss it. Until then, have a great week, listeners. See you soon. Professor Theo's Mystery Lab is written and read by Jonathan Joy. I'm Rissy Joy. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Spread the word. Tell a friend. If you don't, Professor Theo might zap you back in time. If he could do that type of thing, I mean. Also, please consider supporting this project by making a small monthly pledge at ProfessorTheo.com. You can email our family at theprofessortheo at gmail.com or tweet at us at Theo underscore mystery. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week.